Good morning and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ here in Naples, Florida. We are honored by your presence this morning. If you're joining us via live stream, Facebook Live, or if you download our audio podcast, no matter how it is that you are worshiping with us, we are honored by your presence. My name is Dawson Taylor, and I have the privilege of serving as senior minister. And I'm Deb Kaiser-Cross, and I serve as the Minister for Congregational Care here at Naples United Church of Christ. And I understand you got to meet your new grandbaby yesterday I'm from an appropriate social distance. Six feet apart. Yes. We didn't get to touch, but we got great pictures, and we got a chance to be together, which was made my grandma heart happy. Good. I'm glad. It's good to have you back safely, and I know that you enjoyed that time. Together. And I get to begin our announcements this yes. morning. So the first is we continue our clergy roundtable discussion of an altar in the world. And it's been really interesting. I was going to say, I thought we had a good start, yeah. to, despite the facilitator. I thought we had a good start. I mean, <laughs> It I was a great enjoy. start. Yeah. And this week we're going to do chapters four through six in okay. case you're reading along with us great yeah and it's it's a pretty quick read so i, I would it encourage is. people who are doing that and then uh, next sunday we of course want to invite you back for worship but we're also adding something to our sunday morning lineup and that is following worship you will be invited to a virtual fellowship time after worship um, that will take place via teleconference technology and so please be watching your e-blast this week for uh, further instructions and any sort of login information that will be needed for that. We are fine-tuning those last-minute details, and we will make sure that you have lots of notice and lots of information about that. You know, perhaps uh, with the way this uh, spring has gone, you didn't get a chance to say goodbye to people, and I know we missed getting to say goodbye to mm -hmm. lots of folks before they went north. So this would be a great way to uh, take our gathering place online virtually, so we hope you'll join us for that. You know, one of the great joys of my ministry here is that I get to be the staff liaison to the Board of Mission and Outreach. Yeah. And so it is my privilege to be able to share with this congregation and all of you that we are able to make a $20,000 donation to Grace Place um, to help with two things. One is the food pantry that we support on a regular basis and also for COVID-19 relief. And that is thanks to a $5,000 grant from the Board of Mission Outreach and $15,000 from two different families who want to support that. And if you'd like to be a part of it, you are welcome to send in a check um, to NUCC with the memo of Grace Place, or you can donate very securely online, or um, you can call the church office and make a donation that way. We are so very grateful for all that you do to support missions in this place. And I'm grateful for your ministry and the ministry of uh, Board of Mission and Outreach and, of course, our generous congregation. You know, I was thinking about it last night. This now represents over $50,000 in direct assistance to our community since the pandemic has begun. And so I think it shows who, uh, continues to show who we are at our core as a mission-driven congregation. And so, again, so grateful for that. And speaking of Grace Place, you know, one of the things that we do every communion Sunday, uh, traditionally when we are in a, a, what we might call a typical or normal uh, season, is uh, we receive cans for communion and collect uh, 
cans that go to Grace Place and to help support their food pantry. Well, we haven't been able to do that in quite a while. And so we're excited to announce that starting this week on Friday from 9 to noon, I believe. Do I have those hours right? Yeah, 9 to noon here in the portico, you're invited to drop off canned good and non-perishable items for Grace Place and in partnership with them and our Board of uh, Mission and Outreach. uh, We will get those items to them and, and so that we can continue back in the tradition of helping stock their food pantry. And so we'll have a list again in our Wednesday e-blast of items that are needed. And so we hope that you will uh, join us sometime Friday morning, drop off those items that are much needed. Additionally, you'll be able to pick up some communion elements because next Sunday is a communion Sunday. And so thanks to our board of deacons, we'll also make some uh, uh, communion sets available to you if you'd like to pick those up. And so it's a, uh, I guess, a two-for, uh, two-for-one special next Friday, or this coming Friday. And uh, I hope you'll stop by. And again, deeply grateful to our Board of Mission and Outreach, as well as our Board of Deacons, for making that possible. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I just want to also announce that this morning is Pentecost. This is a day that we celebrate the birth of the church. And you'll hear more about that later in the service. But in addition to the grant that we announced this morning, I'm also excited to announce that we are premiering the first video of our music ministry in the history of this great church. And uh, this has been several weeks, if not months, in the making. And it is a wonderful project that was produced by Gabe Basham and uh, was directed by our own Dr. Becky Weiss-Rumpf. And you will notice some of your most uh, beloved uh, musicians that are a part of it. And what's wonderful, even more wonderful about it is that it spans from California to Colorado to Michigan to all the way to Orlando and, of course, here in Naples. And so this is a, a gift to you, and then it will also be a gift to uh, many beyond these walls. And so this morning, I want to invite you, as we center our hearts for worship, to enjoy Redeemer. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day and for your presence among us. And we ask, O God, that in this time of worship that you would speak either through me or in spite of me, but that above all else we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. It has been two years since I have preached on Pentecost Sunday here at Naples United Church of Christ. Last year, I was honoring a preaching invitation that I had received and was away. And the year before that, I had traveled to the developing nation of Guatemala to visit our global mission partner, People for Guatemala. I was there to visit the medical clinic and education center that Naples UCC helped build and continues to help sustain. 
in the first part of the week, I had traveled there with Duncan and Judy Vardy, as well as Deb Kaiser Cross. They left midweek, and I stayed for a few days to explore more on my own. While we were there, one of the local village councils asked if they could host us during the morning. They wanted us to see firsthand how far it was from their village to the clinic. They walk miles, it seems, through the fields of a coffee bean plantation, crossing over barbed wire while the women carry children on their backs. It was a stark realization about why immigration to the United States is increasing. If these faithful parents would do this to access basic health care, what more would they do to better the lives of their children? The villagers met us at the clinic and we followed them to their village. While we were there, they taught us about their day-to-day lives. We learned about unventilated stoves in their huts, which fill the huts with thick smoke that cause life-shortening breathing problems. We learned about the lack of clean drinking water and plumbing. We saw that there is no road to access medical clinics, and we learned about the need for family planning resources. As we prepared for lunch, the room grew quiet. The president of the council bowed his head and prayed in Spanish, a language that I do not speak. And as his prayer soared through the rafters, escaping to God through the holes in the roof of the community building, my eyes filled with tears as I thought about the first Pentecost and how people of different cultures and different languages were gathered in one place. And despite their many differences, somehow were able to understand one another. Perhaps that day I could not understand the man's words, but I understood his spirit. I knew that he was thanking God for the village that he loved and for the people that he cared for. I knew that he was asking for the safety of the travelers who had come to visit. I knew that day that the young had visions and that the old were dreaming dreams. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the waiting disciples, there were a number of extraordinary events occurring. There was the sound of a rushing wind there were tongues of fire that appeared and they all began to speak in their languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. 
the Jews were visiting Jerusalem from all nations and they were hearing them speak in their own tongues and were amazed at this startling phenomenon. They came to the hasty yet false conclusion that the disciples must be drunk and accused them saying, they've had too much wine. Not so, says Peter. It's only nine in the morning, far too early. They are not drunk, but rather filled with the new wine of the Spirit. This is what the prophet Joel foretold many years ago. In other words, the Holy Spirit is new wine and it cannot make you drunk. The Spirit will not cloud your mind. It won't cause you to talk in a stupid way. It won't make you an unsafe driver or give you a hangover. The disciples were not inebriated, but rather filled by God through the Holy Spirit. They had not imbibed on the fruit of the vine, nor had they drunk the nectar of the gods. They had been filled with the divine nectar, the new wine from heaven. The spirit will be a new wine for all occasions, for all people. In her comments about the Pentecost story, In the early church, Margaret Amer writes, the Holy Spirit proves not to be a quiet heavenly dove, but rather a violent force that blows the church into being. The church consists mainly of immigrants, people of different languages and culture with different mother tongues. Much of the book of Acts is given over to the marginalized and to the left out. For instance, preaching professor Dr. Tom Long describes the list of attendees from our scripture reading this morning at the first Pentecost as similar to a bus station announcer. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, all aboard, please. But wait, there were Medes at Pentecost? This was the first century. There had not been Medes in the world for hundreds of years. They were as extinct as mastodons. And and there were Elamites at Pentecost. They did not wander over from the next town. They wandered over from the Old Testament. To say that there were Medes and Elamites at Pentecost is like saying, you should have been at church last Sunday. We had visitors from California, Michigan, Alaska, and a whole van load of Assyrians and a cute little Hittite couple that signed the registration pad. 
everyone who ever lived was at Pentecost. That was the wide welcome of God. In June of 2012, the 220th General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA made a commitment and set a goal of establishing 1,001 new worshiping communities in the United States by 2022. Note that the commitment was not to build 1,001 new church buildings, but to establish 1,001 new worshiping communities. The guiding principles of the 1001 movement include seeking to make and form new disciples of Jesus Christ to change and transform the world, to shift from an inward-focused membership maintenance model of church to a more outward, creative, and disciple-making model, to consider how can we be the church in a new way to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, to help disciples with a vibrant faith go out to share with their friends, neighbors, and communities, to create communities of faith outside our standard models of church planting. Now, I am not a Presbyterian, nor do I need or want to be. However, when I read this, I was struck by the vision of their general assembly. And let's be honest, most denominational general assemblies are not known for their vision. And I don't know how they're coming along with meeting these goals either. But what I do know is that many of us in our Christian faith are as sedate as former President Calvin Coolidge Coolidge kept himself under such control that when his death was made public and announced to the press corps, one of the first questions that was asked was, how can they tell? So here we find ourselves on Pentecost in the year 2020 having come through a week where we surpassed 100,000 deaths due to COVID-19. We have watched horrific live footage of a black man being choked to death by a white police officer in Minneapolis. The pandemic continues to rage. Our economic system continues to fail. And I have been asking myself all week, if people of faith do not act, who will? Like the first Pentecost, if we do not reach out to those who are different and find themselves at the margins, who will? And to do this most effectively, we must be a new wine kind of church. 
we must be people who take who we know ourselves to be at our core and be willing and able to pour it out freely in a world that desperately seeks it. The reality is that our world has been turned upside down. And until there is a vaccine or an effective treatment for COVID-19, people continue to show both in action and in polling their reluctance to return to places of large gatherings. And interestingly, we are reaching more people online right now than we ever have before. In fact, last Sunday's worship attendance was almost double that of the same Sunday in 2018. We must continue to improve not only the outreach that we do online, but increase the quality of the experience that people have. The pandemic has created a new world literally overnight for churches and many organizations. Healthy and vibrant ones will adapt and change. Not the message, but the vessel in which it is delivered. Dying churches will wait for the days to be like it was before COVID-19. And by then, the world will have passed them by, and they will no longer be relevant. We will not be one of those churches. We will not become a well-endowed museum to a bygone era. Instead, we will build a virtual campus that empowers ministry, learning, fellowship, and connection while we simultaneously do the same thing on our 5200 Creighton Road physical campus. We will offer classes that people who feel comfortable can attend in person, and those who don't can watch and participate via live stream. We will make our classrooms available online. We will continue to enhance our worship and add cameras to the sanctuary, allowing more flexibility and more views of what is occurring. We will enhance sound quality and light lighting. We hope to be able to run fiber optic cable so that our internet connection is more stable and faster with fewer disruptions. These are all dreams that are early in the stages of dreaming, but it's what we know is required to be a new wine kind of church in this new era in which we find ourselves. So let us throw open the windows and the doors and invite the power of the Holy Spirit in to see the power that she will bring. Let us be bold and unafraid about what God will do next for this great church.